Hi, I'm Pastor Anna Sorensen, and this is the French Creek Lutheran Church Podcast. This is the place where I will post Sunday messages and other messages for the congregation. This podcast began in March of 2020 as we entered into the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks for joining. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 15. Jesus said to the disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. He said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to this to give to the last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? This is the word of the Lord. Parables are stories that invite us in and help us to see something in a new way. Jesus uses parables to teach his disciples and to teach us to invite us to think about things like the kingdom of heaven in a new and a different way. Before we look specifically at the parable that I just read, I want to acknowledge that often when scripture, when we read scripture, we don't have all the details. There are blank spots or things that it doesn't tell us. And these we often fill in with our imagination or with art or with tradition. 
So here's an example. Think of the Epiphany story when the Magi come to visit Jesus. How many are there? And where do they go? You'll find that story in Matthew 2. And if you read it carefully, you'll find that it doesn't tell us how many Magi there are. And where they go is a house. We fill in the details of three and of their arrival at a stable because we've seen movies and art and stories and that beautiful hymn, We Three Kings. Now for those who grew up in the church or who have been around public worship or Bible study for a long time, or who have spent a lot of time in personal scripture reading today's parable told by Jesus, is very familiar. It's so familiar to us that we come to it filling in a lot of the details, a lot of the blanks with details that are not actually there. And when we do that, we think we already know what it's about. I want to start with the parable's title. A lot of Bibles give it the title, Laborers in the Vineyard, like the NRSV, or the Parable of the Vineyard Workers, that's the NIV, or a story about workers. That's the message. All of these titles Already, before we even begin the parable, they put the emphasis on the workers. None of the titles are in the original text. They're added sort of like chapter titles to make reading easier, to give us guideposts along the way. When we put the emphasis on the laborers or the workers in the parable, when Jesus invites us into the parable, we tend to see ourselves as the laborers. We allegorize this parable then, so that if we humans are the laborers, God is the landowner. Then we further allegorize the workers so that the first hired are the Jewish people and we, the church, are those brought into God's generosity later. When we read it that way, the chosen people of God become jealous day laborers who are resentful of God's generosity to the church. Now first, if you talk to any rabbis or Jewish people, you'll find that that simply isn't true. Second, it's pretty clearly a problematic reading that looks an awful lot like anti-Semitism dressed up with biblical justification. Well, there's another way that we fill in the details about this parable. Sometimes, when the emphasis is on the laborers, and we read it like an allegory of our relationship to God, the workers who start at the beginning of the day are those who work hard, especially people who work hard in the church. And the workers who started later are outsiders of some kind. They're people whom the landowner was reluctant to hire at first because they were aged or infirm 
or incapable in some way. But the parable doesn't say that. The parable says no one hired them. When we read about diff- we, when we look when we read difference of ability or age or class or race into this parable and make it a morality tale about who we ought to include, I think it says more about who we think could or would be hired and who couldn't or wouldn't be hired for a full day's work by the landowner, by God. So I want to explore a little bit, but let's just start by changing the title. And if we change the title, we'll change the emphasis. And I think it opens up for us another way of letting the Holy Spirit speak to us through this scripture. We could call this parable the parable of the fair employer, the parable of the generous employer, the parable of just wages. These titles put the emphasis on the landowner or the pay. And then suddenly the focus of the parable is not about the workers, about what they deserve and how they feel. The parable instead is a stewardship parable about the just and proper use of wealth. So let us start with the landowner who is actually a householder. That's what the Greek word says. It literally translates into head of household. In other places in scripture, this word is used to refer to someone who follows God's will. In Matthew 13, the householder brings out goods that are new and old. And when the disciples go into Jerusalem to find a place for Jesus and the twelve and other disciples to celebrate the Passover, they go to a householder who gives them the room where they eat. We know that the householder in the parable negotiated with his workers to pay them what was a customary daily wage. And the best estimate we have is that the Roman silver denarius would supply a family with three to six days worth of food. I suppose how many days of food it is depends on how many teenagers live in their household. So a customary day's wage is not an extravagant wage, but it is enough that the worker's family may eat. So far, so good, but then things start to get, well, it gets unusual. This householder goes out and hires more people. Why he does that, we do not know. Didn't hire enough in the first place? Wandering through the marketplace looking for snacks? We don't know. He goes back to the market and he finds some people who are unemployed and he brings them into the vineyard to work. Three more times that day he goes out and each time he hires on extra workers. Each worker goes to the vineyard and labors and at the end of the workday the manager pays each employee a full day's wage starting with those who had worked only an hour 
And as the laborers see the pay of those who had gone before, they begin to imagine that their own pay will be bigger than their contract. But no, they too get the customary day's wage. I'm sympathetic. It does seem unfair. But it isn't unjust. This householder is well within his rights to pay each what he desires. No one gets cheated. No one is shorted. And perhaps, most importantly, every worker's family gets to eat for the next three to six days. Now, I suppose that this householder could have simply paid the laborers hourly, but then maybe those who started latest would be hungry and would have to beg on the way home. Perhaps the head of the food pantry would have come to the householder's door asking for donations, and the householder could have been very generous and even taken a tax write-off. That's not what happened. In this story, every worker gets a job, no matter how short, no matter how small. Every worker gets the dignity of working. And everyone in the parable gets enough. No one is overpaid. No one is underpaid. So if the landowner is the focus of the parable, then we are invited to identify with the landowner. Then it's a stewardship parable. Then it's a parable that invites us into questions like these. What do we do with what God has given us? How will we use wealth and possessions? For those who are in the position of employing others, it invites reflection about our priorities. It invites us to ask questions like, are my employees paid enough so they can feed their family? Unfortunately, we know that there are many people who do work full-time or more and still do not have enough to pay for housing and food. For those of us who are not in a position of hiring others, this parable still invites us to consider the just use of money. It invites us to reflect on how our spending impacts the livelihoods of others. It invites reflection on questions like, are we seeking out retailers that pay living wages? Do we advocate for just labor practices? And perhaps this parable also invites us to expect grumbling and complaining if we are generous. Followers of Jesus are called to act with generosity, not with stinginess. In this parable, each worker gets to work. Each worker is paid enough so that their whole household can eat. That sounds 
an awful lot like the kingdom of heaven to me. Your kingdom come, Lord Jesus, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.